Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? And it is evening here in Zurich. So <laughs> on the road, I'm doing well. I'm sorry we're a little late, folks. We've had some technical challenges. It's cutting into your lunchtime. It's cutting into my dinner time. So let's get going. <laughs> All right. Hey, we got a great, but right before lunch, right before dinner, we got a great show yeah. lined up here today. Greg. Navigating, no the, uh, navigating the current business landscape can be confusing, frankly, downright exhausting. And as a potential recession looms over the global economy, controlling costs and freeing up working capital, well, that's good news because it's paramount in boosting supply chain resiliency. We're going to talk about that, proven practices, proven ways you can do just that. Greg, should be a great show, huh? Yeah, for sure. I'm really looking forward to it. We've got... Well, uh, some trained professionals. So <laughs> that's right. So stay tuned as Dan Reeve and Alan Rafik will be joining us momentarily. And folks, we got a bunch of folks already in the chat from Vinket. Great to have you back. Brent Prince, Kirsty, Josh, Jonathan, and then some. Jonathan from New Jersey. Great to see you, Jonathan. Well, folks, we're going to save since we're late. We're going to jump right in, right? We're going to jump right in. And I want to welcome in. And we're going to check, hey, you know, Murphy's Law is alive and well in global remote programming. We're going to check this right. out. <laughs> we're going to welcome in Dan Reeve, Vice President of Sales with Esker, and Alan Rafik, CEO and co-founder with Market Dojo. All right, Alan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good One, to see you. Great uh, to see you as well. And let's see if we can hear Dan. Dan, how you doing? We still are working on that connection with you, Dan, but hey, stay tuned. Our team behind the scenes will be working with you to bring you in in just a moment. So that will pop Dan out. And Alan, we're going to start with you here today. So great to see you. you. Really solo to today, Alan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I the trained professional? I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, you are. I might need to, might need to call a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we've got that option. Uh, we, got we got clues. We got phone a friend. We got whatever. <laughs> I want to be a supply chain millionaire. We got all those tips and tricks. But there Alan. Before we get, and we're going to work fast and furiously to get Dan back with us. But Alan, I want to start with, with speed with, of a thousand gazelles, Scott. <laughs> That's right. Not one second slower. Alan, I want to start with this, with you and Greg here. A few days ago, as y'all might know, Manchester City won the 2022-2023 Premier League, which makes their manager, I might get this wrong, Pep Guardiola, I think. It makes him number two all-time and titles won behind Sir Alex Ferguson. So with that mm. as a backdrop, before we jump into the our content here today, what is one of your favorite soccer or football players or moments of all time, Alan? Well, you found a British guy who's, I mean, I like football. I'm not, I'm not a huge, huge watcher of the game. My, I support Newcastle. That's what one of my dad supported. But the, my favorite moments, easy. It was I was in, working in Brussels for the European Commission a long time ago doing some modeling of pollution for the European aircraft fleet. And I was in this bar in Brussels. And it was the 1998, 99 Champions League final. Okay. Manchester United, Bayern Munich. And I think they were, Bayern Munich went up 1-0, I think in the first half. And it was on the 90 minutes. And I remember saying to, there were lots of German, French, Italians watching us saying, look, it's not over till it's over. And not only did Manchester United score a, an equaliser, and then everyone was kind of like, oh, it's going to be extra time. And then they came in with another goal, just both in the injury time to win the yeah. game. And it was an utterly fantastic game. <laughs> Man, and the celebrations ensued, Alan, I'm sure, right? The next day, I remember a couple of German friends wouldn't turn up for work because they were so gutted by the way that they'd lost in injury time. Both girls, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Hey, uh, Greg, I'm becoming you next year. Josh probably shares what both of y'all, and certainly Dan, I don't want to talk about this, Scott, says Josh from Seattle. and But Jonathan says, Pep 
is a tactical genius. That's high praise, high praise. Greg, so Allen's memory is going to be tough to beat, but one of your favorite players' memories of all time? Well, my favorite memory of all time is probably the most famous play of all time. And I'm going to stay away from Arsenal and Tottenham because I want it to remain friendly with Josh while we're here. Yep. And, but it's Mano de Dios, the hand of God play with Diego Maradona. Of course, mm. Argentina won. Good enough for me. Don't, we don't need to rehash the past. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so speaking of, I got to share, and I'm not sure, I'm sure if a Catherine Amanda or, or Chantel can share who this is, but this LinkedIn user says that was one horrible night of football. <laughs> so I'm guessing they got they're no- in Germany. <laughs> right? Yeah, must be. All right. So, folks, we're getting some news that there's some updates across the social platforms that may be interfering. We're working fast and furiously to get Dan back because we got a great conversation teed up. Scott, I think it's going to help lots of business leaders. And Alan and Greg, that's where we want to dive in, right? I'm sure we could spend, we could have supply chain sports center over the next hour, but we got some big topics we want to get into. So, uh, Dan, this is your first time here at Supply Chain Now. And Alan. as we, I'm sorry, Alan. Alan, thank you. That could be Dan if you want. That would be dangerous. Yeah, it's going to be treacherous for the next couple minutes. Yeah, man. So, Alan, Alan, Alan. So, you're new to supply chain now. Dan has been a repeat guest, been with us countless times. He'll be back by proper demand shortly. But, Alan, you started your career as a procurement practitioner, try to say that five times fast, in 1999 with Rolls Royce and founded Market Dojo in 2010, which has provided critical market intel to thousands and thousands. So, Alan, it's got to be pretty rewarding to look back on that journey, and especially with what's to come, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, my background is an aeronautical engineer. I started working from Bristol. I went to work for Rolls-Royce as an engineer and then fell into procurement. And I think that's a common story about people falling into procurement one of the buyers for one of the assembly shops. And since then, I, I've done a lot of different things in my career from consultancy to sales, marketing. I sold engineering simulation software, so fluid dynamic simulation software across Europe. And he ended up at a boutique consultancy selling what you might know as managed reverse auctions. And it was there that myself and a few friends, we came up with the idea to develop an easy-to-use, pay-as-you-go online solution called Market Dojo. And since then, we, we've broken the barriers around licensing models and procurement models on e-sourcing and supplier engagement. And now we're part of ESCA to embrace the whole S2P journey. So, yeah, it's been very exciting last 12, 14 years or so. Alan, that is now, Greg, I saw your eyes light up at the beginning of his response there. What do you know that we don't know, maybe? How many people have fallen into procurement and supply chain. It, there didn't used to be degrees for it. It was one of those sort of, hey, we have a problem in this area. You seem like somebody who could take it on. So it's a very common thing. And I think we need to think about that and continue to consider that as we try to evolve the practice going forward, because so many people didn't study for this. They got all of their training on the job. Excellent point. Excellent point. And one last follow-up to that, Alan, relating to your background and the earliest part of your journey is today is um, Aircraft Maintenance Technician Day, where we're celebrating all these the brilliant, extraordinary people that make special things happen to keep global supply chain fleets moving forward, and then some passenger aircraft, military planes. Greg, special day, huh? Intentional scheduling. Let's just go with that. Knowing that. And by the way, aeronautical engineering not only is very impressive, obviously, it has a huge impact and it's a lot of fun. So where I went to school, had a huge aeronautical engineering school and I was not an engineer, but I had friends who were, spent a little bit of time in the wind tunnel. I love it. To make sure that cars were aerodynamic and model aircraft models, new designs, maybe the occasional beer hat at what speed it would blow off your head, but things like that. We're going to have to have more to come at 11. I bet there's some great book writing adventures, Greg. We'll have to dive more into, but Alan, man, what a great career that led up to founding Market Dojo. And I love transforming procurement on demand. So we're going to learn more about Market Dojo 
that shortly. Uh, but I want to start with this. Because Alan, you and your team are working with leaders around the globe, as we mentioned, providing that critical market intel to thousands, tens of thousands, you name it. I want to get a couple observations in terms of what some of the current priorities that you're seeing out there for business leaders, really regardless of the sector, Alan. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I've been thinking about that. And do you know what? I think it, it's really around the drivers for change have mm. gone up a notch. So I was in my garage the other day and I'm making a coffee table. And to make the coffee table, I need to make a workbench. And to make the workbench, I need to cut some wood. And generally, I'd get a saw out and I'd cut some wood. But with so much timber to cut, I got myself one of those miter saws. I don't know if you know the ones with kind of like mm. come down and chop. Right. Quick, efficient. Wow, why didn't I get this beforehand? And it was a driver for change that had always been there and I instigated based on what was going on. And I think after Brexit, COVID, looming recession, financial, ESG kind of things, it's really stepped up the driver for change for procurement in a lot of ways to start looking at better training, better processes, better technology. So I think to summarize up, it, it's, it's that impetus for change has just gone up a notch to, to drive that forward. I think that would be the main thing that I'm seeing there. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. but That's such a great one because a lot of folks, a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations, Greg, they don't have time to stop what they're doing to embrace that better way. That's, it, there's a meme out there that Alan's response brings to my mind. But Greg, basically, you know, what'd you hear Alan saying? What are you seeing as priorities out there across global leadership? Yeah, well, we've had a few other things happen. One, as an outgrowth of COVID, was people now know what the hell procurement and supply chain is, mm. right? So there's no, as much as we've wanted to be brought into the spotlight and have equal footing in the executive suite, we got it. And now there's nowhere to hide because everybody understands how these things work and the impact that they have on supply chain and the, ultimately the availability of goods that they want, whether they're a consumer or whether they are an air an airline or whatever, they get it now. That awareness is incredible. And maybe, you know, this little thing that has been, I think, a global issue, but certainly an issue in the UK and the US, this little thing called inflation has accelerated the imperative to start to take on technology and do something about this, to be able to source better or more broadly and to be able to pull goods through your procurement process and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Have better relationships with your vendors. All of that sort of thing is really important now. Yeah. Excellent point. And they certainly adds up to more and more overwhelming impetus for change is going back to what Alan shared there. No doubt. All right. We're still working on getting Dan Reeve back with us. Y'all stay tuned. But uh, Alan, we don't keep driving here. When we think about one area in particular to drill a little bit more on, source to pay, S to P, the source to pay landscape. What identify a couple trends that are taking place there that maybe more folks should know about, Alan? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been been in this game a few years now, and what we've really seen is people haven't really been receiving the benefits that they want from the larger ERP systems or the larger S2P systems. And what we find is that the S side of S2P tends to get a bit forgotten about. And where we we're very fortunate to be part of ESCO. We're very similar now in terms of mindset and in terms of methodology. And mm. we're really working collaboratively to focus on the procurement side of S2P. So I think what's what's really important and what we're seeing on the S2P side is that focus on amalgamating S2P from a procurement and finance perspective and digitizing the kind of pathways between them so, you know, so Procurement Act Finance together can tackle uh, supply chain resilience, tackle the cost pressures that we're seeing from inflation, and really turning the procurement from a reactive function to more of a strategic role within the company. I think companies have been quite disenchanted with investing in larger systems and the procurement side of it, the S side of it hasn't been up to scratch. Mm. Um, so I think that, that focus on the S2P side from the procurement perspective uh, is, is really important. So let's, uh, I, Greg, 
I think that squares with a lot of what we've been seeing. A mal, I'm going to try to say these really seven syllable words that Alan just dropped on us there. A mal, guh, mation. Did I say that right, Greg? That's good. Close. Very good. A little slow, and, but very good. That's what down to go faster, right? Digitization, yeah. the function becoming more strategic. We heard that amongst other things. Greg, respond to what Alan just shared there. Well, I think the awakening that Alan talked about, that regardless of what anyone tells you, your ERP can't, cannot do it all, right? That there are certain tasks that I think we've all recognized in, in aspects of the business that deserve to go deeper than a generalist transaction system like an ERP can really afford to do. And that's why they bolt on to so many of these other S2P type solutions and other solutions. Warehouse management is a great example. Demand forecasting, planning, allocation, replenishment, all of these things are, they're way too deep, way too scientific, mm-hmm. um, way too much combinatorial analytics. There's another long word for you to try later, Scott. <laughs> for a generalist organ, a generalist technology to, to go deep in these areas. And there is an, a tremendous amount of opportunity to bolt some of these solutions on top of your ERP, really go deep into the intricacies of a very complex process and get an incredible additional value out of these specialist solutions like what Alan's talking about. Well said, Greg. And we're going to dive more into the how and a lot of what you just finished there in just a second. Alan will give you anything you want to respond to there that Greg dropped. And and go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, it's a really interesting conversation. I have many conversations about this, about the trends. And I think it's all about change. Come back around to, to change management and what we're seeing now, I think, is a more of a driver from procurement to I- enforce the proper processes and technology. And what I mean by that is when organizations and companies start, they always have a salesperson, they always have a finance person. They never start with a procurement person. So right. you don't get a procurement person to do what, 10 million, 100 million. And it's always change in procurement about grabbing the, de- the localized procurement, centralizing it. And that applies to the systems as well. So you always have a CRM system when you start. You always have a finance system when you start. Do they use the word mandating? No, not really, but they need to. You need to use it. But in procurement, we've traditionally been very happy to say, let's use emails and spreadsheets. And and we've got a sourcing system and you can use it if, if you want to. But I think now companies are realizing to get the competitive edge, they need to drive an adoption of these kind of professional systems Mm. so you can react in times of crises. And as you say, procurement is now at the forefront. They can't hide their heads over the parapet and you need to drive that change. And it's always about that. So I think what we're seeing in the S2P, one of the other kind of sides, is that more of an, obviously you've got adoption on the finance side, but more of adoption from the procurement side of these systems, especially if they integrate with the finances on an S2P level. Where I want to go next, Alan and Greg, now that we've really set the table a good bit, remember the good old Venn diagram? Who would have thought that what we learned there with the Venn diagram in fourth grade would serve us well the rest of our lives? But And this may be too simplistic, but between the trends that you're talking about, the challenges, that's the backdrop, right? And then the opportunities in the middle, that's the core that businesses are working their way through, some really, w- really well and some very poorly. Alan, my next question is you at that level, at the higher level. How are business business leaders navigating that center part of the Venn diagram given everything that we're fighting through? Yeah, I think it comes down to something we touched on earlier. We need to find the right people, the right training. Well, we've got Mm -hmm. the right people. We just need the right training. Mm -hmm. We need to look at the processes within procurement. We need to look at the technology that they use. And we look at to use that with respect to improving the business ability, coming back around to supply chain resilience and inflationary pressures. You're going to be ahead of your competition if you can react more quickly. They're embracing better technology stacks and future-proving them with best-of-breed systems. That's where I think that's at. Mm. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I think we have to acknowledge that times have changed and the technology or your approach to the process and the technology has to change as well. I think as we, as we acknowledge that so many people, first of all, the, um, discuss, you know, the discussion that you started Alan, with 
falling into procurement and then happily accepting spreadsheets and email, right? Or probably if you fell in it long enough ago, spreadsheet was an advancement back then, right? (laughs) But that, that there are not these targeted solutions or were not these targeted solutions for this business problem is it's still a drag on how this how people perceive the process not just technology but also the process right there's a lot of that what you know if it ain't broke don't fix it what's wrong with the way we're doing it this is the way we've always done it all of my favorite words scott is a spreadsheet can be a solution silly ridiculous things like that i think we have to acknowledge how much of a drag that has been on the advancement of the practice and that the practice can be accelerated and accentuated and more, not just efficient, but more effective with technology out there. And I think more and more people are coming to that recognition. Sorry, that's a long way around to answering the question, right? But I think it's important to recognize why so many business leaders have had difficulty. As you said, so many companies are challenged and to improve their practice or embrace technology or whatever. And I think that's the recognition that so many business leaders have had forced on them since COVID and in the turbulent times that have, that have been subsequent to that. Right. The COVID COVID effect lasted a long time. And then we went right into a highly inflationary timeframe, which governments denied and central (laughs) banks denied, which just exacerbated the problem. Um, and then they had to slam the brakes on, which will unquestionably, I don't know about the UK, Alan, I don't follow it that closely, but it will unquestionably cause a recession here in the States. We have no idea, just like the economists have no idea how long or deep the recession will be, but it, it is already starting to slam the brakes on the economy. Mm. So, you know, mm. we have to acknowledge that we're going from one crisis to the next to yet another. Mm. And, so, Alan, um, I'm, I'm- We've got to be aware of how to solve that for the long term, not mm. just incrementally in this moment. Alan, your quick response. And in particular, I think part of an element that uh, y'all both maybe have been speaking to and was a gigantic push on that impetus for change is in making things easier for your team to succeed and do things better and focus their time on more valued work. And I imagine. That's going to be make up some of the practical examples we're going to dive into here in just a second. But Alan, at a high level, your response to Greg's thoughts, and then we're going to get into some practical examples uh, here in just a second. Yeah, we're in a very unique position in terms of we we can help these kind of these issues that are being faced in the supply chain, and we're equally in a very interesting proposition that, for example, we as part of our offering, people can run a reverse auction from us for five hundred pounds or. $700 or so, which means that actually, if you want to negotiate costs down or you want to mitigate cost rises, you can use an auction to get really fast ROI from a particular activity, which is really important. And also getting the data, it helps you address supply chain resilience. So actually, the market that we're in is an opportunity for us mm. to help. I did have mm-hmm. a kind of a further question back for Greg, actually, in terms of, ah. yeah, uh, it's like, why do we think that you know, the emails and spreadsheets are still, still really a number one tool. Now, the, as I mentioned, I think the step, the driver for change has changed and it's like pushing the change forward more rapidly. But there's still a lot of reluctance within procurement to truly embrace the tools they need other than a kind of a, a carrot approach. You know, well, if you get success, try that more. We're still, we're still not seeing as much impetus for that change as the industry seems to need. So that... An excellent question. And I can tell you what I've seen from selling my own technologies or other people's technologies, or even see with helping guide companies that are in this space today. And that is the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, Mm. right? Nobody sees, nobody sees, I shouldn't say that, the reticent don't see that the way that they're doing things is going to destroy the company. And in the absence of destroying the company, it's very hard to break the inertia and overcome what you perceive as potential catastrophe to move on to another method, process, technology, 
group of people, whatever, right? I think that's what holds us back and has always held people back when it comes to technology adoption. And this is no different in this case because it's like a frog, right? In a pot of water, right? You don't realize that it's killing you until you're dead. The slow sort of burn is is where a lot of companies are. But I think that we've reached, and the reason, let me augment the answer, even though you didn't ask this, Alan, but I think that the impetus that we keep talking about, it's still not for a lot of people. It's still not compelling enough. And mm, yeah. they are hoping for the good old days, right? That That allows them to go back to the way that they've always done things without made, making a big transition. I really do think that people, I mean, who in their right mind would not hope for that, for us to not have the challenge of shifting gears or changing path dramatically mm-hmm. in order to keep the business going. I think everybody wants that. We're humans are programmed for that. Right, right. Um, so for the sake of time, I need to move us forward because I want to get into what, one of my favorite parts, I think, of this conversation. We're going to learn more about Market Dojo in a few minutes here. We're going to get some great resources. But Alan, practical examples, I think, really help folks see the mm. light. And they speak to some of the folks that Greg's speaking to where maybe they haven't reached that tipping point, right? They're, they haven't, that has not become compelling enough for them. So Alan, I really want to pick your brain here. So in this current environment, we're all speaking to, and for a multitude of reasons, multitude of levels, give us some practical examples of how that S source and S to source to pay can help you tackle rising inflation that Greg, the temporary economist was talking to, and reinforcing your ability to go out there and grab supply chain resilience and put it in a headlock and help your organization. Yeah. It's a fantastic tool to help people. I'll give you an example. I remember when a slightly different start, maybe you start a different springboard moment. Is I remember work selling to a company and they told me a story about them running to the IT department to tell them to not delete someone's inbox who was in procurement who was left because they had 30 years worth of purchasing data in it. And it was like, wow, it's, you know, if that, and that data sat in someone's inbox and not doing anything. And I think that's where, you know, I'd start off on the answer. You start off very simply with the data. Mm. The first thing that e-sourcing gives you is helping to manage the data. And we all want to talk about AI and we all talk about the the next big thing. But if you're not doing the basics, you can't do much. And so what we saw during COVID, for example, is a lot of people wanting to manage their data to be able to react to the oncoming kind of issues that were happening around supply chain resilience and now inflation. So we found our customers were using e-sourcing, first of all, data. And the next thing it gave them is by using e-sourcing applications is the fantastic thing about e-sourcing is the ability to scale at very little extra kind of cost mm. in terms of your time. Emails and spreadsheets, you know, if you send out to three suppliers, it's, it's easy to put, send out to 10 suppliers, nightmare. And so by sending, you know, from, you know, everyone asks different questions, different formats, it's crazy. And so when you use an e-sourcing tool, you, we've had people run tenders on our tool with 500 suppliers. Okay, you don't need 500 wow. suppliers necessarily, but by doing that, you not only get a market price or a better price, but you also get more information. So when you come, if something happens later on and you need to change your strategy, nearshoring, offshore, shoring, make versus buy, you have the information back to the data to be able to react more quickly, which we saw a lot of during kind of COVID, et cetera. And in these inflationary times, the ability to source more effectively was key to react faster than the competition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we've had tenders run on our tool, but pre pre the inflationary side where an OEM manufacturer ran spent five hundred pounds actually ran an auction and saved fifty million dollars. Saved fifty million dollars. But then again, we've got large multi enterprise customers who have hundreds of users who want to make sure that they're embedding the right processes across all their users so they have visibility about what they're spending mm. so they can have better relationships with their suppliers and encourage better supply chain resilience through the transparency and through the openness that sourcing can give you. Now, uh, hey, Alan, I mean, 
Can yeah. I interject for just a yeah, second? Please do. I could talk for hours on it. So well, no, this is golden. I mean, I, I've just captured a, a four-point list. I want to get Greg to respond, and then we're going to go back to the well and get more goodness from the one and only Alan Rafik. So, Greg, if I was and I think I kept up, but I may have missed a couple things. What else is new, right? Starting with the data, better management of data, better successfully, or better able to scale successfully react more effectively. I know we're pushing things proactively, but still things happen. We still have surprises in the industry and we got to react accordingly. Spend visibility. And I heard a $50 million savings number from Alan. That certainly got my attention. But Greg, react to some of those things that Alan just shared there. Well, in 30 years of emails, first of all, it's hard to imagine that we've been using email for 30 years, but we have, haven't we? Lord, we're old. Um, the, uh, But I think that the data is the key thing. That is part of the challenge. One of the other challenges that we really haven't talked about since COVID, it, and it was already impacting the workforce even prior to COVID, and that is baby boomers retiring, right? They're leaving the workforce at 10,000 a day in 2021, an additional 3.1 million above what we expected to leave the workforce, left the workforce presumably forever. We'll see how, if any of them come back after after the recession hits, mm. um, but presumably forever, right? And the data went with them. Why? Largely because it was tribal knowledge. A lot of the processes that were undertaken in those days had evolved from paper into spreadsheets and, and then into this amazing thing called email. Right. So it, it was tribal knowledge and that data is incredibly valuable and needs to be captured. And the way to capture it is to get hold of technology that can impart all the knowledge where, wherein you can impart all the knowledge that's kept in the heads of those who are now exiting the workforce and teach the technology or give the technology the data to be able to do the job as well or even better and probably more consistently with all that knowledge imparted. To me, that is the most important thing and one of the most important catalysts, or should be one of the most important catalysts for taking on a technology initiative right now because the subsequent generations of Gen X, we have survived a period where there were no computers and there wasn't this big abundance of data or the ability to process it. But we've also been spoiled by having experienced that entire transition and yearning for the day when exactly what we're talking about could happen. And then our children, right, millennials and Gen Zs, they were raised on technology, so they expect technology to do technology things. Right. And it takes data to do that. So we have to enable the enterprise for the next generation, the current generation, of course, mostly Gen X, but the next generation that expects technology to do technology things and for humans to do human things. And we better do it quick because right. as, as Alan pointed out, a lot of that expertise is leaving the workforce. Our hair's on fire. And if it's not, it should be on fire. Hey, really quick, Greg and Alan, back by popper demand. I think we're ready to go. Let's bring Dan Reeve with Esker back into the conversation. Hey, gents, how are you? Dan, great to see you. How you doing? Well, you know, yeah, Greg's there talking about different generations and their ability with technology. I've just been walking around my house today trying to find a pigeon. I'm trying to send messages into your conversation. <laughs> I can't find a pigeon. Oh, gosh. Hey, it's great to have you back. But you and made it. You made it. That's right. You overcame upward and onward. Right. Hey, really quick. We're going to put you right to work. Right. You jumped in. We're going to put you right to work. We were just getting some of uh, some great practical examples when it comes to how the S and source to pay can can help business leaders tackle inflation and many other challenges and reinforce that sought after supply chain resilience in a real practical, meaningful way. Mm. And we got a list of things from Alan. Mm. And I bet if we kept Alan for a couple more hours, we would have an encyclopedia of proven ways. But Dan, what else would you add in terms of those practical examples? Well, one of the things I've been asking, as a result of Esco and, and Market Dojo teaming up, I've been out on the road a lot recently, visiting CFOs and CIOs and Finance leaders, many of them are using ESCA for either accounts receivable or payables. And so what I find is that I say to them, hey, look, we're hearing a lot of folks who are trying to improve visibility on spend, control costs. Well, how about you folks? And I, to be honest, I find most folks say, we have something. It's limited. We'll take a look because mm -hmm. anything that can help us improve visibility or, or save some money is really important. 
but is a but. I think many CFOs, as much as they're very driven for technology adoption and change, they're also equally petrified. And I think I can use that. There's many projects that have failed, or one of the big things is are the users going to adopt your technology? Mm. Because mm-hmm. what I'm seeing is finance leaders saying, okay, people want to work from home. I've got to make it really easy so they can do so. I've got to still manage and track their performance. I've got less people than I did. Maybe I put in the technology in the last three years and now everybody's left. I'm hearing that. And mm-hmm. so I think what I'm hearing is, back to your sourcing question, folks want technology and sourcing tools that are really easy to use fundamentally. And I'm going out on the market and hearing folks say, we've got some things, they do some capabilities, but you know what? It's not that easy to use. Maybe we even spent some big money on a big application. You know, there's, some, there's a couple of thousand pound grillers out there. But people aren't using it. So, you know, the reality is simple things. You've got to make sure people can use the tool and will use it and that we'll actually go out and do some sourcing events versus just go and buy from folks they're used to. So um, uh, it's interesting that dynamic user right. experience and simplicity seems to be key. Right. You know? Yeah, if, if you could give people Michael Jordan's sweet free throw shot, turnaround J, you name it. But if they didn't adopt <laughs> it and use it, they'd play basketball just like me, which is very poorly. Adoption is critical. All right, I'm going to just bring in a couple quick comments. I know we couldn't get to all of them. They got a ton here. Matthew says, I heard the phrase building a plane while we're flying it more times at Apple than was necessary. Hey, I'm with you, uh, Matthew. Think about, that. think about that at a company like Apple saying things like that. Right? That's a great point, Greg. <laughs> Literally That's- the most valuable company in the entire world, right? That's Largest market point. cap. It can happen to anybody, right? So true. Karas says, listen to the relevant data and have it tell you the story of actionable insights. I love that. It's a little poetic. And then I will go back to uh, Jose. Great to see you, Jose. The lack of adoption of new tech is not only from the consumer side, but also from tech companies that are not, not able to connect and sell in. And I would add lock in their value. Excellent point there, Jose. Okay. For the sake of time, and Dan, great to have you back. Great to have you back. Alan, I want to get make sure we... we unpack all the cool things that Market Dojo is up to. And it's really exciting to see what Esker and Market Dojo, how y'all combine forces to do more and help more organizations and to keep moving the bar upward maybe. But in a nutshell, Alan, tell us what Market Dojo does. Yeah, we believe in a better way to help companies manage their data, mitigate their risk and minimize their costs. And we do it through very carefully designed user-friendly software focus on e-sourcing and supplier engagement. And I've got to be honest with you, when I tell people the story about how we now work with ESCA, that they're impressed. We're such a great fit, both culturally and from a technological standpoint, the ability mm-hmm. to grow the S2P solution. And it's really, honestly, it's been an utterly brilliant experience with ESCA. I can't thank them for us, for the support and the direction that we're going on. And in terms of, we, we feel that there's a change is taking place. There's certainly a new role for procurement. There's a new breed of procurement professional, and it's evolving procurement from a from reactive back office function to a strategic enterprise resource. It's truly an exciting time for procurement. Mm, Alan, completely agree with you. That, and we've been banging that drum for years here at Supply Chain Now, Greg. Dan, we'll get you to weigh in. He touched on just the great fitability. I think I just made up a word between Esker and Marcus. <laughs> Didn't mean to make you lose your water there, Alex. But your own five syllable words, Scott. That's, that's good. Right. That's right. Hey, they scrabble with him because he's going to cheat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only with help from my friends. But Dan, speak to that match between the two organizations and man, where, we're, where the future is going to take the art of the possible. Well, I think that you, the match you describe is why would. What's going on in the market? And I agree with Alan that both focusing payables, procurement, sourcing, the, in, many of those leaders want a more front and center opportunity to improve visibility, control, spend, mitigate risk for the organization. So now is a great time for them. And what we hear folks saying is, okay, look, we may need AP automation or we don't have it. We may need a bit of procurement. But increasingly now folks are saying, okay, now I need to join it all together. Can I, can I have a sourcing event? And then once we've found a vendor, okay, I might want to create contracts and start trying to encourage people to cut down on that maverick spending and use that 
that that particular vendor. No, but we want it all combined. So if I take the time to do the due diligence to find a vendor to do a sourcing exercise, great. Does that that data and that that insight now feed into my procure to pay software so that my folks again I've got to get them to change. So I've got to make it easy. They don't want to be jump, jumping from three different systems, sourcing, procurement, accounts payable. You know what I mean? I think folks are saying, make it easy, make it holistic. And I would agree that some of the procurement folks I've spoken to, when I say, hey, you know, what caught your interest? And they'll say, look, we're tactical right now. And I want to drive us. People will say, my objective is for us to, to bring more value, bring more insights. When my elevator pitch from people ask what we do is, I say, you know, we free up supply chain staff, procurement staff. Folks in sourcing, they're going to be rock stars. Mm. People are like, what does that mean? I'm like, yeah. reality is they don't want to be doing the mundane. Yeah. If you leave them doing mundane and data entry or manual boring processes and you don't free them up to go and do other things, they're not going to stay anyway. And it's hard to get people. And that's going to get harder when you look at our population demographic trend. So it is about finding technology that, that sort of spans across those three areas and makes it easy. You know, what Alan hasn't said is, Alan's got a secret source where you could do, look, if, I'm going to age myself now. You go back 25 or 30 years, and you, I used to mail a CD to the potential customer, and there the procurement or the IT group would get it and say, oh, great, yeah, we're going to load that and play with it and see how it works. That was 30 years ago. Maybe we're not. And your hope was that people would take the time to install it and try it. And it was really easy. That was the easy button. What Alan's identified, I believe, is with his technology is folks go in and play with it and try it. And they're like, oh, Hang on a minute, I can do a sourcing event myself. Mm. And, I, I, and I have. Oh, this is like shadow IT on steroids. This stuff, it works, it's easy, and I've saved some money. Oh, well, right. great. You know, so that's some of the trends with, that I'm seeing. And, yep. and that's why it made sense to work with Alan. I was going yep. to accuse Alan of talk, the ability to talk a hind leg off a donkey. <laughs> I've just done that myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, and what we heard here today, spend 750 bucks on a reverse reverse auction and save 50 million. We're talking big mountains that are being moved. Greg, I'll get your take here before we unpack a couple of resources for folks. It says, fitability and strategery. Walk into a bar and meet Scott. Thanks, Corral. Yeah, we, we try here. We try. Talk to, expound just a second on what we're hearing here and where they're headed. And then I'm going to share some resources for folks. We've been talking about a couple things. One, I think I, I would argue this till the day I die, and that is that technology is a necessity and that the more that you automate the processes and this generational shift has accelerated the need for that, aside from all of the other crises that we've talked about, um, you know, on the show today. But you need a technology and you need a technology that, Scott, as you, you have so much empathy for people in the workplace that makes it easy for people and moreover meets their expectation, and the expectation of people in the workplace is that technology does technology things. People do people things, right? We're really good at crisis management and at critical thinking, but terrible, frankly, terrible at repeated processes, whether they are, are mundane or not, right? Because we don't always consider all the data, and sometimes we insert emotion or bias into the process. And you can completely eliminate that. You can streamline the process by using the technology to do that for you. And then let us, we people, handle crises and personal relationships and evaluating the best vendors from something other than a data-driven perspective. And then evaluating the ongoing relationship outside of the data-driven, that's hard to say, (laughs) data-driven aspect of the relationship. Well said. Well said, despite how challenging. All right, so let's do this. For the sake of time, folks, we promise your resources, and, we, and thanks to Dan and Alan and their teams, we've got them. And there's a lot more. We're going to give you two. Y'all check out. We're going to make sure y'all know how to connect with Alan and Dan in just a second. But first, we're going to be dropping in the chat and in the show notes, the integrated source-to-pay suite at Esker. So y'all check out that link. And then secondly... Check out more information on the sourcing management automation tool there at Esker, which will enable you to optimize, I love this, how you engage, select, and negotiate with suppliers. Alan, before, uh, and those links are getting dropped right there, make it your one click away from checking those out. Alan, speak to maybe one of those resources, or if not, make sure let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and the Market Dojo team. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, just on LinkedIn, it's great. You can message me on LinkedIn. I can pass things on to the team. We've got such a fantastic, such a fantastic time at the moment with Esker and, and the S2P. All, all the resources there are great. I would love to help anyone out there thinking about embracing sourcing S2P. Please connect. I'll do what I can to help. Well, and, you know, you don't do yourself justice, Alan, as Greg and our team has seen, and Dan as well, in all the pre-show conversations. Uh, you are a walking breath of fresh air for how things are being done across global supply chain. And there's a ton of passion there. And you're just down to earth and welcome folks to come meet you and talk shop. And we need more of that. That's the kind of leadership that, that speaks to me. And I bet a lot of other folks. So I really appreciate what you're doing. Dan, I'll tell you, you get to work with Alan and his team regularly. Big things, current state, big things ahead. We dropped a couple of those resources. If you would just, anything you want to, touch on those two resources and let's make sure folks know how to connect Dan with you and the Esker team. Well, one, I think Alan's going to go to tell his wife tonight that he's a walking breath of fresh air because Scott said so. <laughs> and we're going to see what happens there. See if his wife agrees or, or you know, goes off. <laughs> don't, don't bring her we'll on. Have her on the I show go. next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here is my wife. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, joking aside, Nestle, you can meet, connect with me, Daniel. Reeve.esco.com, or you can find me on the uh, LinkedIn on, under Esco. So Daniel Reeve, uh, VP of Sales for North America. Now, you were talking about cricket a minute ago. Yeah. And again, I wasn't great at that, and uh, I was forced to play it. A bit like softball. Now, well, here's where I'm going. If folks are anywhere happen to be in procurement supply chain, elite folks happen to be in Boston, I've got an event I'm running with the Red Sox on August 9th. Okay. Here comes my shameless plug. So I do have an event going on August 9th. With hmm. Newton. I realize Boston's a big city. There might be people who live up there. If anybody's interested, give me a shout because they're in the financial transformation with Esker for procure the pain. And I'm not going to swear, but Liverpool, who's not my chosen soccer team, right? Because they beat my team regularly. Liverpool are in, in, in process of using Allen's sourcing application. So even Premier League teams, Liverpool and Chelsea. Ooh, I can't believe I said those two teams. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Both those we teams. Know, we know where you're from, but I'm from Norwich and I get destroyed anytime we, I play those two teams. <laughs> anyway, where I'm going with this is I'm going to be in Boston August 9th. And if anybody's there and interested in the conversation or even interested in the conversation an hour before the game, we're going to have a little event. Boston will talk about what they're doing sourcing procurement digital transformation. Then we'll go watch a bit of bat- batting practice and watch the game. People could meet if people are interested in that. Just drop me a note on LinkedIn. We'll have a chat. We're coming. Greg, cool. you and I, we're going to send hey, a yeah, link of course. to Dan yep. and join yep. him in Boston. Hey, let's make it easy, folks. Dan dropped his email there, but we also want to drop his, his LinkedIn. Because I bet he welcomes if you want to connect with him and then check out that Boston event and or just compare you know, talk notes or talk shop via comparing notes and whatnot. Dan's a great, one of, one of our most popular repeat guests here at Supply Chain Now. I'll okay. have one point. Can I yeah, have one point? Here's what I see going on in the market. And I've been nagging my sales reps to get on the road the last, because I've been on the road the last three to five weeks. I don't know if I had an itch that I needed to scratch, but I've been on the road visiting lots of customers. I find most folks are going to change ERP even now over in the next two, three four or five years. Okay. Well, mo- most folks, just when they think about their sourcing, their procurement, their payables, their manufacturing, what I find is most companies are going through this exercise where they're thinking about change to ERP. And what that means is all the tools they use for sourcing procurement receivables, processing orders, inventory management, it's all up for grabs. I knew we were going to try to pack too much in because there's so much goodness here. So Greg, <laughs> this is what I want to do. Before we wrap, the show. We've come a long way in an hour between Alan and, and you and Dan and a lot more. Greg, give us the one key takeaway that folks have to leave this conversation with front and center. Yeah, I meant to comment on soccer on Dan's behalf at the beginning. So when we were talking about Manchester City winning the Premier League, his words were disgusting. And I agree. <laughs> and on the other front, the whole notion of changing out your ERP, which we established early in the show, doesn't go deep enough in, into, certainly not into source to pay, but into a ton of different areas and mm. undergoing a 10, 20, 100, 400 million dollar project when you can use an ERP for what it is effectively built for, which is finance, 
predominantly finance and transactions, and layer on these point solutions, these targeted niche, whatever you want to call them, but very, very deep solutions that really solve a problem simply. And as both Alan and, and Dan have talked about, with a single solution, rather than jumping from screen to screen and that sort of thing, that is exactly what this general ch generational change is going to demand. So don't. Mm. I hope, hope that's where you were going, Dan. But don't feel compelled to change out your ERP. Just layer new technologies on top of it and kernelize it. Use the ERP for what it's great at. Internationalizing your company and your finance processes and that sort of thing. But put technologies on top of it that focus on these problems that they will never get to a solution for. Mm. And, and focus your efforts. and eliminate a lot of that risk of the devil you don't know by not having a huge implementation. Just expand on, on your capabilities without an, a huge technological disruption in your company. Mm. Is, well is, is kernelization a word? I bet that one is. <laughs> We're making up. It is that's, now. That's the theme of the hour. Right. That's right. It is yeah. now. But what a yeah. great chat. I always <laughs> really appreciate when Dan Reeve with Esker joins us and brings friends. I want to thank everybody here. Dan Reed, Vice President, Sales for North America with Esker. Dan, thanks so much for carving some time out here. Thank you for putting up and waiting for me. And for those who we started that late, that was my fault. I apologize. Nah, no uh, big deal. Short time, hey, big impact. I appreciate it. To be honest, Alan was bringing the real value today. He <laughs> was. He brought it today, didn't he? Yeah. And we're keeping yeah. it real today. And August 9th in Boston, y'all reach out and make sure if you want to join up for a Red Sox game and meet great people, I reach out to Dan. And Alan, your ears have been burning. You did bring it today. Alan Rafik, CEO and co-founder of Market Dojo. Thank you so much, Alan. We had a blast with you here today. Yeah, absolute pleasure. You're going to make, you're going to make me blush. So, uh, I'll, uh... <laughs> Well, we hope to have you back. We really appreciate what you do and how you approach it. And Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations with you. Safe travels where you are. Likewise, thank you. And you bet. Welcome aboard, Alan, and great to see you again, Dan, as always. Yeah, and you. Thank you. Yeah. And to all the folks that showed up in the comments, hey, apologize. We were a little bit late. We always try to be on time and full, Odith, right? But hey, really appreciate all the comments. Y'all keep them coming. We'll, we're back live again tomorrow. And most importantly, take some of this brilliance you heard from Dan, Alan, and Greg, put it into action, right? Deeds, not words. And on that note, for our, all of our friends here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.